you're listening to Mysteries Beyond. What mysteries lie beyond the reach of our senses? And who are you in this vast multiverse? Hello, and welcome to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender. Just a couple of days ago, we just had our summer solstice, which basically means we just had our longest day of the year. There was more sunlight out. So, from June 21st until December 21st, which is our next solstice, the winter solstice, in between that time, you'll notice that with each day that goes by, we will have less and less sunlight. In the interim, however, there are a few festivals that are celebrated and a few deities that are venerated. And by festivals, I'm referring to the holy days or holidays, also known as sabbats, in the wheel of the year. So more or less from June 21st to the 23rd, Letha is celebrated. This is when nature is at its peak and the sun is at its highest point. And people give thanks and they stay outdoors and they ask for a rich harvest. But more on Letha and the witch's wheel on later episodes. One of those deities that is celebrated in the summer, however, is Amaterasu the Japanese goddess of sun and light. And as we continue to explore all of these occult and esoteric topics, I find it fascinating that we begin to see some of these ancient stories cross over to other mythologies, cultures, and religions. Of course, with travel, the stories were then carried over to new places, and the people there adopted them. But what I find extremely interesting is that across the world, with mythologies and the stories of creation, there seems to be some sort of parallel. I mean, for example, when you look at Japanese mythology, Greek mythology, Norse mythology, Aztec mythology, Hindu mythology, and or Egyptian mythology, whatever it is, you name it, there's always the assigning of duties and or tasks to different deities. And this is done to help us better understand how the world came to be, right? So it's a way to help us make sense of the world around us. And to explain and fill that spiritual side of us that so many of us can feel. Alright, Amaterasu's origin story begins with the birth of the islands of Japan. When the primordial gods Izanagi and Izanami dipped their swords into the ocean, the drops that fell formed the island of Japan. And every time that 
Izanagi, who was a primordial god, and Izanami, who was a primordial goddess. Every time that they made love, they created new kami, which are basically other gods and or spirits of the ocean, the hills, the mountains, and forest of Japan. However, one day, after Izanami gives birth to the kami of fire, she dies and is sent to the underworld. Izanagi, devastated but not yet completely defeated, heads over to the underworld in search for his wife to rescue her. But when he finds her, she tells him that she ate food from the underworld and was now bound there. Now, for those of you who are familiar with the Greek mythology of Hades and Persephone, you'll notice that it's starting to sound a lot like it. Not to veer off too much, but just to give some context, in the Greek mythology, Hades kidnaps Persephone. And while she's in the underworld, I believe she eats one-third of a pomegranate. And because of that, she is destined to stay in the underworld for one-third of the time. And that helps to explain our seasons. So that period of time that Persephone has to go back into the underworld, her mother Demeter, who is the goddess of agriculture, is in mourning, which is why the crops don't grow. The lands are barren. I just wanted to quickly point out that parallel. But back to Izanami. So because she too ate from the underworld, she is now bound there. But she tells her husband that she will plead with the kami of the underworld. But she tells him to wait there. Well, Izanagi got impatient. So he descends into the underworld to see if Izanami is okay. But what he saw was terrifying. He finds Izanami's corpse filled with maggots. And as a result, she's filled with shame and rage and chases him to the surface. When he gets back, he goes to the waters and washes away all that filth and purifies himself from having been in the underworld. Being completely heartbroken, when he goes to wipe his right eye, the moon god Sukuyomi was born. From his left eye, Amaterasu was born. And from his nose, Susanu, god of the storms, seas, and is also associated with the underworld. These three new kami were basically given control of the universe. However, of these three kami, Amaterasu, goddess of the sun, is the most prominent one in the land of the rising sun. I want to briefly pause here and point out another mythology parallel, and this has to do with Egyptian mythology. So by now, we know that the sun equals life. Right? So, without the sun, there is no warmth, crops don't grow, and we cease to exist. And firstly, I find it fascinating that in Egypt, they associated the West with the underworld, and the East with their heavenly afterlife. And this is because the sun rises in the East and sets in the West. 
and Japan is known as the land of the rising sun. And this is because the country is considered to lie closest to where the sun rises. Alright, just had to get that off my chest. Now, in Egypt, you have the Eye of Horus, and you have the Eye of Ra. Ra is a sun god, and he represents power, protection, and healing, and is also associated with the right eye. Horus was a god of the sky, the sun, and moon. He basically controlled the movements of the sun and moon, right? This is where we get the word hour from, Horus, hour, because he's governing the course of the sun in the sky. Horus is also associated with the left eye, like Amaterasu, and the left eye is associated with feminine energy. Amaterasu is feminine energy. Once again, I just had to point out that parallel. Alright, so with Amaterasu's birth, it signaled the beginning of light and warmth on this world. It symbolizes the life-giving nature of the sun. Amaterasu was said to have lived in a sacred cave along with her maids, and together they wove the most beautiful cloaks, and every night they wove a new one for Amaterasu. This was important because the color of the cloak would determine the following day's weather. And everything was going well, until one day, Amaterasu's brother, Susanu, the storm god, decided to wreak havoc on the earth and wiped out crops with his strong winds. Izanami became upset and ordered his banishment to the underworld. Amaterasu, preparing herself for the worst, armed herself with sword and was expecting an attack. But... To her surprise, Susanu did not attack. He did, however, stay for a couple of days in her territory. But it was only a matter of time before his destructive nature would take over. He began to feel bothered by the peace in Amaterasu's territory. And so he decided to play a trick on the maids. Susanu summoned a horse in the sky, which ended up falling on the maids. Startled and frightened, one of the weavers fell on her own spear and died a slow, agonizing, and painful death. Consumed with sadness and being completely furious with her brother, Amaterasu isolated herself in her cave and blocked the entrance with a large rock. By doing this, Amaterasu plunged the world into complete darkness. And without sunlight, the rest of the gods couldn't see, the crops died, and the yokai were free to wander the earth. In an effort to lure her out, the rest of the gods hung mirrors and began to play lively music. But it wasn't until Ameno Uzume, the goddess of dawn, meditation, arts, and mirth, which is basically amusement and humor, it wasn't until she began to dance, which placed the rest of the gods in good spirits and loud laughter, that Amaterasu got curious 
she wanted to see what all of that commotion was about. So she moved the rock to open her cave, and she peeked out. As she stepped out, she caught her own reflection in one of the mirrors, and was enchanted by her own beauty. She then realized she was surrounded by the rest of the gods, who were happy that she had stepped out, and it was then that she decided to accept the offerings and forgive her brother. Amaterasu went back to her responsibility as guardian of the sun, and once again, there was warmth and light in the world. Here's another parallel that I'd like to point out. Who else went into a cave and resurrected after three days? Ah, yes, that's right. The Son of God. S-O-N or S-U-N. Jesus Christ. Fascinating, isn't it? At least to me it is. All of these biblical stories and mythological stories are not meant for us to take them literal. They are allegories to help us understand astronomical events and the influence it has here on this earth. It's to help us make sense of this world. It's to help us see how the macrocosm and the microcosm interact with each other, and to help us better understand the laws of the universe. With regards to Amaterasu, she is a prominent goddess in Shinto, and as we've learned from a previous episode, Shintoism is not necessarily a religion, but a way of life with regards to spirituality within the indigenous Japanese traditions. I hope that you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed researching it, and I'd be curious to hear from you guys if you found any more parallels between different mythologies and or other religions. So, with that being said, if you guys have any questions or if there's any feedback or if there's simply anything that you just feel like sharing, you can go ahead and reach me at lauralavender.mb at gmail.com or you're welcome to friend me on Instagram at lauralavender.mb and or TikTok, same handle, lauralavender.mb. Also, don't forget to check out the website at www.mysteriesbeyond.com. There might be some resources there that you might find helpful. And so, thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast by listening to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender, and I'll see you guys next episode.